official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at wellchurchvt.com. I'm always a big fan when someone thanks God for me. Thank you for that, Adam. So Adam told me last week uh, that I needed to stand on stage while I delivered the sermon because some people couldn't see him. So this is the first time I've ever preached on stage, so y'all can help me out. Is that all right? The last time I was on stage was in high school. I was in a musical. The musical was an adaptation of The Ugly Duckling. And uh, I had a lead role in it. I had uh, one, one solo, and it was, I was a goose commander, a retired goose commander. And uh, I thought just because I'm here right now, I could, I could give that as a note. Could we get this volume down just a tiny bit, or maybe it's the monitors? I don't know. Y'all can hear me good? Okay. Okay. In this backwater of England. I'm just trying to get some cred here with the crowd, okay, before I get started. Some street cred. Where the pace of life is slow And the lilies on the lake are broad and lush Anyways, that's it. Yes. So, that's the only time you'll ever hear me sing at Church of the Wall. I am, apologize. Adam is taking back his prayer. Never mind, God. I do not thank you for that. So, this Sunday we are wrapping up our series the kingdom of God, where we have been looking at parables that Jesus told, talking about this thing he called the kingdom of God. How many of you have enjoyed it? Yes. Yeah, a few of you, just a few. And we've been compelled by the images that Jesus has been presenting about who God is, what community should look like. And we've even hopefully found ourselves in these parables as well. How many of you have related at all at any point to these parables? Yes, okay, a few of us in the room, right? And uh, so we're wrapping up that series this morning, and and coming up, we're going to be starting a series on Trinity. Can I get an amen? Amen, y'all are still here with me. That's good. Okay, and appropriately, we'll be doing the Trinity series in three weeks. So uh, we're going to be exploring the mystery and magnificence of the Trinity. That's not, a, that's not the official subtitle, but that's just what we're going to be doing. And uh, the last parable we're looking at is found in Luke chapter 14. And so if you have your Bible with you, or if you have your smartphones, the Bible app, you can pull up Luke chapter 14. And the reason I chose this parable rather than the numerous other parables to conclude with is I found I find this particular parable incredibly dynamic. And what I mean by that is each week there's been a particular emphasis perhaps in each parable where we've been um, asked by Jesus in the telling of these metaphors, the telling of these parables to um, reimagine our own conceptions or view of who God is. And then on other weeks, in some ways, the emphasis has been to reimagine what a God-shaped community looks like. And in other weeks, the emphasis has kind of been on more introspection, looking at where we find ourselves 
as those who are asking what it means to follow Jesus in this thing that Jesus called the kingdom of God. And in some ways, this parable we are going to be looking at in Luke chapter 14 captures a little bit of all of that. And I'll explain what I I mean in a moment. And so uh, in Luke chapter 14, it's a parable that Jesus tells about a dinner banquet. And don't worry before y'all get too hungry, we will be out of here on time for lunch. Can I get an amen? Amen. And so not only is this a parable about a dinner banquet, but Jesus is actually seated at a dinner banquet while he tells this parable. He's seated at a dinner that's being hosted by a group of people called the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the religious elite. They were the religious leaders, the religious teachers of Jesus's day. And he's found himself seated at a room with them while he tells this parable. So that is the context. And so we're going to just start in verse 15. And I'm going to be reading from the NIV translation. When one of those at the table with him, Jesus, heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all began to make excuses The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. What a lame excuse, right? You imagine just a guy hanging out in a field, just looking at it. Sorry, I had to miss your banquet. I had to go and look at this field. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen. I got a new Bugatti and I'm on my way to give it a test drive. No, I'm on my way to try them out. I got these new oxen, man. They're pretty sweet. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married, so I can't come. He doesn't give any details. (laughs) The servant came back and reported to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and he ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room. Then the master told his servant, Go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who are invited will taste, get a taste of my banquet. And so there are many parables we could have covered, but as I said, there's a dynamism to it. It kind of highlights these different elements of being asked to reimagine, relook at our conceptions of who God is what a community formed in kingdom values looks like and in other ways, looking in the mirror and finding ourselves in these parables. So we're going to spend some time looking at these few elements in the form of a question, in the the form of actually three questions this morning. And so the first is, how is God characterized in this parable? The second is, what is the kingdom image of community presented in this parable. And the la- lastly, we'll wrap up with, and where can we find ourselves in the parable? First, addressing this question, how is God characterized in this parable? Have you noticed perhaps over the past few weeks that the way that God's characterized in the metaphors, these parables that Jesus lays out, is often different than common conceptions of who God is or conceptions of the divine? Have we found that to be true? 
This parable is no different. And so the, the character in this parable who would, be, who would be the God character is the host, right? So we can get on board with that. Are, is there, what are some of the things you notice about the host in this parable? This is crowd interaction time. It's not a rhetorical question. Y'all can actually just yell out anything you notice about the host in this parable, the host of the banquet. He becomes angry. Interesting that that is the the first thing to hear. Anyone else? Yes. Sorry, what was that? He's concerned about the banquet. He's prepared. He's concerned about the banquet. Anyone else? He's generous. Explain what you mean by that. Yeah. Yeah. His, 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 one of the host's primary postures is that there would be those who would enjoy the banquet. And there doesn't seem to be any sort of barrier for entry, right? No, like VIP lane. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. For those of you who didn't hear, he said uh, he's not willing to give up, even though it seems like others might have given up. He's not willing to give up himself. Anyone else? Okay, so we notice some things about the host. The host prepared a party. We see there's some preparation that has taken, taken place. There's, there's concern for it. There's a generous invitation. All sorts of people, right, are invited to this party. The host isn't content with empty seats. That's why he gets angry, right? He wants all of the seats to be full, as many people to participate in and be compelled by a joyous celebration as possible. And also, there's all sorts of people you wouldn't expect to see invited in to the table. Fascinating stuff. Now let's contrast uh, some ways that this presentation of God is different than common conceptions of who God is. Either that we might... conceptions that we might have about who God is ourselves or, or conceptions we see or hear as we go about our days, right? If you have heard these before, maybe just like, let me know that you have heard these, right? Only a select few are invited in and everyone else is out. How many of you have heard that conception before? How about this one? God is a cosmic killjoy, We're not invited to a party, right? We're invited to religious piety. How many of you have heard that before? Maybe perhaps you have lived from that place before. Um, God's okay with empty seats at the table. That God is somehow content with there being a few who are in around the table and a bunch of others who are out. Now, Jesus knew this when he told this parable that who we conceive God to be has tremendous power to shape our lives. It has the power to shape how we relate to God, how we view ourselves, and also how we relate to those around us. And this is what I see in the kingdom parables, that the God Jesus reveals in these parables is not one of scarcity or stringency, but that the God Jesus reveals in these kingdom parables is one of unparalleled generosity and abundant joy. Now that is something that we'll preach, right? That, that the, 
Jesus reveals a God who is not stringent or scarce in his posture towards the world, but he is endlessly and unparalleled in his generosity and his joy. Can I get an amen? Amen. And so what is, what is the kingdom image of community that's presented in this parable? If, if you were to read the entire 14th chapter, which you could do later today if you wanted to, you would have seen that the context for this parable clues us in on Jesus's intent telling it. Now, I mentioned that Jesus was a dinner guest in the house of, of a religious leader. He's dining with Pharisees, teachers, teachers of Torah, teachers of scripture. And at one point, Jesus notices something. He notices that there's a rush for the seats of honor. So unlike the front row at Church at the Well, there's a rush for the best seats, right? Or y'all just knew I was going to bust out a song from my musical in high school and you decided to sit farther back. You made a right decision. So uh, Jesus notices this. There's a rush for all the best seats and he tells He gives a lesson, an instruction on humility, and he says, in the kingdom of God, that's not the the way that you live or you move in the world, is is always moving into the places of honor. But in the kingdom of God, one of the primary postures as a person living into the kingdom of God is one of humility. So don't take the best seats, take the seats in the back. And then you'll find that when the host of the banquet comes, he'll see you there and he'll say, you don't belong there. And the, the, he tells this whole thing, this whole thing about how the humble will be exalted. And it's from there that Jesus then goes and he instructs the hosts of the banquet. He says, you don't just invite people to your banquet who are, you're going to get an ROI. An ROI is what? A return on investment, right? And so he says, don't just invite your neighbors or your family, those who love you, those who will invite you back. And don't just invite rich people, those who... Um, you can just, you'll, there's going to be a return on investment from that invite and you'll be repaid for that when they invite you back. He says, no. He says, invite people to whom there is no ROI. That's the primary posture of a kingdom community. He says, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind to those who will not be able to repay you back. Then he says this. He says, if you do that, if you do that, this is what Jesus says, he says, you will be blessed. He doesn't say you'll get that same type of blessing back. He says, in the kingdom of God, you will be blessed. And it's at this point where we began reading in verse 15, where Jesus, one of the responses to this teaching is, and blesses the one who eats in the kingdom of God, who feasts in the kingdom of God. And then Jesus tells this parable. So this entire parable about the dinner banquet is in response to this comment and this context. And so Jesus is highlighting this, that who God is revealed in the kingdom of God parables, the God who is revealed is intended to shape the fabric of the community. It's intended to shape the fabric of God-centered communities. And so according to Jesus's parable, there are those who are invited in who are actually living outside of the kingdom of God, which is to say that their community is not marked or shaped by the kingdom of God. It's marked by piety. It's marked by religiosity. And piety and religion are not the problem, according to Jesus. The problem becomes when piety and religion don't reflect the heart of God. They don't reflect the heart of God. And so that the, the moment a community 
is a reflection of moral principles, ideas, and I'll say this, even theology, that the moment that a community is a reflection of those things, um, that community is a community that begins to become shaped in its own image. It's not shaped by kingdom values, not the image of God. When a community is shaped in its own image, and I'll know this is true, when a community is shaped in its own image, a set of moral ideas, beliefs, structures, religion, um, it's never going to compel a world in desperate need of the joy, generosity of God to find their seat at the table. There's nothing compelling about it. Inversely, when we're a reflection of humility and joyous, generous nature of the kingdom of God, we become a kingdom community. Uh, we become a community that's not only shaped by values, but we're shaped by the joyful and generous God. Can I get an amen? And when, yeah, amen. (laughs) When that happens, we actually become, as a community, the invitation to the table. That's what happens. And so I'm going to tell you a story. Um, I went to college in Portland, Oregon, and while I was there, one of the jobs I held down was as a busboy at a Red Robin Any of you know what a red robin is? Amazing. More people than I thought knew what a red robin was. I was a busboy at a red robin. It was actually quite an enjoyable job. I worked with a a great crew of people, and I went to essentially seminary and was studying theology. I was studying to become a pastor and get into ministry. And during this time, there was actually a small crew of us who worked at this red robin as well from the Bible college, and the rest of everyone who worked there was not from the Bible college. And in particular, I would just want to actually, I'm going to share a testimony that my friend Jessica Nunez, she was managing the restaurant at the time, shared on Facebook about nine years ago. And this was a couple of years after all of us had graduated Bible college. And to me, this testimony captures this idea of what a kingdom-shaped community can look like because a kingdom-shaped community just doesn't happen on a Sunday in rows of chairs, right? Kingdom-shaped community happens when we are loving and serving and inviting all sorts of people in our everyday lives to find their seat at the table, right? And so I just wanted to share Jessica's post because we'll do, she kind of explains it in her post, so I don't want to explain it first. She says this, uh, I think she wrote this in 2011 or 2012, There have been so many posts lately about religion and religious beliefs being forced upon people lately. Has much changed? 2011? No. Um, While I agree that happens more often than not, I want to thank and sincerely apologize to a group of guys that I was incredibly fortunate to work with. When I was told that I would be working with a fairly large group of guys from Portland Bible College, I was annoyed and more than slightly apprehensive at best. Being very openly gay and married to a woman, I had convinced myself that working with them was going to be nothing but miserable for both sides. I have my prejudices, which, more often than not, have been proven true. I didn't want to deal with Bible college guys who are going to be preachy Christians, who are going to tell me yet again I was going to hell. Was I in for a surprise? These guys are everything one could dream of. Mind you, when she says this, she's talking about someone, myself included. (laughs) Because y'all aren't convinced. 
everything one could dream of in the vision of being amazing Christians. They are kind, loving, and every wonderful thing one could wish every Christian was. Thank you all for being amazing, wonderful people. Thank you mostly for proving me wrong and making my life more amazing with you all in it. I actually don't think there was actually much praiseworthy in our posture in that context other than simply trying to live out a kingdom life and posture in our work context, which just included basic human decency, love, kindness, humility, right? It's, it's not like living in the kingdom of God is not rocket science, but through the power of the spirit, we can be the invitation to others to find themselves a seat at the table. And so these parables are not only dynamic because we have the opportunity to reimagine God or a community, but we also have the opportunity to be introspective and find and look in the mirror and ask where we might see ourselves in the parables. And so in more than one way than one, because we're a community, but we're a group. So we're a group of people asking these questions, right? What does it mean to follow Jesus? But we're also individuals, individuals with different heartaches, individuals with different life situations. And there's something that everyone has in common in this parable that Jesus gives. And so I want to get to that thing that is true for all of us. Perhaps uh, in, in a room like this, we can find ourselves in different places in the parable, and that's okay as well, because I believe that the Spirit of God has the power to speak to each and every one of us individually where we are at this morning. But there's something that's true about all of us that we see in that parable. And uh, as, as we look at this, I want to ask another question. This is crowd participation time. I, I know that I have to tell y'all specifically that in order to get it, right? Because it's Vermont. Crowd participation time. Um, who's invited to the dinner banquet? Who is invited to the dinner banquet? Okay, I heard a couple things. One at a time. Let's raise our hand real quick so I can hear. I just heard a lot of low mumbling. Yes. Yeah, the, those from the religious establishment, those were, they were invited as representatives of that first group. So there's a first group of people who are invited. Okay, anyone else? Yes. I don't have my glasses on, so I can't see that. Okay. I'll have to see that up close because I don't have my glasses on later. Anyone else? Yes. Everyone, pretty much. Yes. You're still in my, you're still in my point. No, that's great. No, I'm just joking. Because we see, right, that there's those who have been invited, and then there's the crippled, the blind, the lame. And so, inversely, the question then becomes, who, is, who in this parable is not invited to the banquet? Do we see anyone not invited? The answer is no, right? I'm not aware of anyone having not been invited to the banquet. There are those who don't come. There are those who find or make excuses, and they don't come which is not a particularly interesting sermon, which is a direction you could take with this parable, right? Is we, I think we kind of understand the point, right? Of making excuses and on not attending something. How many of you have done this? Yeah. And there are times when 
it's true, right? Oh, my family's been a little bit sick this week, or it's just been a very busy week. And there's times when that's true, and it prevents us from attending something. But there, most of the time, I find it's this. We just really didn't want to go. And it becomes true what we say, but it's only part of the story, right? Just bought a field. Want to go look at that field, right? Not a particularly interesting point to dig any deeper into. Um, but the point is this. Everyone's invited to the table. And if we're asking the question of where to start, where do we find ourselves in this parable? And actually, this is a great place to wrap up the entire Kingdom of God series as well. If we're going to start anywhere, it starts with this. We're invited to the table. We're invited to the table in the Kingdom of of God. We're invited into the joy, benevolence, generosity of the God who is revealed by Jesus in these kingdom of God parables. And so you're invited. You're invited to a banquet. You're invited into this joy. You're invited into the benevolence and generosity of God. Can I get an amen? And perhaps you know there's an invitation for you but you're not at the table for some reason. Maybe that's you. Maybe you are surprised to find that the invitation has been extended to you. You were under the impression that there were those who were out and those who were in, but you find yourself compelled to find that there's a seat with your name on it at the table. And so in a moment, we're going to take communion. Um, Communion is at the bar. I quite like that. I hope it's not the last time we have communion at the bar here at Church at the Well. And uh, at Church at the Well, we invite everyone to take communion. We invite those who are following Jesus, and we invite those who are compelled to know and follow Jesus as well. Forgive me if this is a little bit more of inside baseball than you care to know, but there are churches that have different postures on communion. And you know what? That's okay. We don't have to be like every church and every church doesn't have to be like us. That's okay. And a couple of the primary postures are this, closed or open, closed table or open table. Closed table says this, only those who are following Jesus actively or are professed Christians can take communion. That's closed. There's open. Open is everyone's invited no matter what, just go. We have a actually a kind of a hybrid posture here at Church of the Wall. We call it close table. And we believe this, that the invitation should be extended to everyone, not only to those who follow Jesus, but that communion actually becomes an opportunity for you to find your seat at the table. That as you take the bread and the juice or the bread and the wine, that that becomes an opportunity to connect with God, to connect with Jesus. And so there's a seat at the table for all who want to participate in the joyful generosity of God who's revealed in the person of Jesus. And so with that, I'm going to invite the band up. Uh, And and as the band is coming up um, and we're preparing to take the bread and the juice this morning, I'd ask you to consider how you're engaging the parable of the dinner banquet I ask you to consider that. Is your conception of God scarce and stringent? 
uh, are you participating in shaping a community that looks like the kingdom of God, that's shaped in the image of a generous and joyful God that is revealed in the kingdom parables? Have you received an invitation to the table, but you're avoiding it for some reason? Or are you surprised that you are being invited and are compelled to find a seat at the table for yourself? And so as a band plays this next song, there are two stations in the back. Um, I'm going to invite you to take the elements, the bread and the juice. Um, Don't take them there at the bar. You can take them and, and bring them back to your seat and we will take communion and then we will sing one last song together and as you go and prepare your heart for communion I'd like to read one last uh, verse from the word from from Jesus Um, this is something that Jesus said to his followers in Luke chapter 22 immediately before his death before he uh, inaugurated this communion celebration for the first time says this, and this is in uh, Eugene Peterson's message translation. When it was time he sat down, all the apostles with him and said this, you have no idea how much I've looked forward to eating this Passover meal with you before I enter my time of suffering. It's the last one I'll eat until we all eat it together in the kingdom of God. That's God's posture towards you today. There's a seat for you at the table. Jesus's words are this. You have no idea. You have no idea how much I have looked forward to eating this meal with you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your teachings on the kingdom of God and that they are an invitation into the joy of benevolence and generosity of God. If in some ways our view of you have been scarce or stringent, we just view you as kind of at best the cosmic killjoy. Uh, We ask that those conceptions of who you are would be confronted and that we would recognize that there is an invitation to joy, generosity, benevolence in the kingdom of God and that there is a a seat at the table for us. If we have been making excuses, avoiding the table, help us to be compelled and drawn in, not like those who will not feast in the joy and generosity that you have laid out and prepared for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community reintroducing Jesus in Vermont through worship, service, creativity, and community. 